No time left for me. Mm-mm. Oh, <laughs> can you start over? No, nope, that was in. <laughs> <laughs> we are back with another Lisa topic, and this time it is intrinsic motivation. Where does it come from? What does it mean? How is it relevant to our field? So my usual disclaimer, Phil, in these topics that I bring to you is that my qualifications is that it's interesting and it's something that I played with for a while, but in no way do I have, you know, a degree in this or heavily research this topic. But let me sort of define the term, okay? So, and contrast it with internal motivation. So perhaps in a a fitness application, external motivation would be like, if I complete this 5k, my parents are going to give me a hundred bucks or something like that. So I get some kind of reward. Internal intrinsic motivation would be, I'm going to do this 5k run because I know how great I'm going to feel and sort of differentiating between, is there a reward offered from the outside or is the reward offered internally? Intrinsically is a fancy word for saying internally. I first came across these four concepts of intrinsic motivation when I was supporting the creation of a book at Project Adventure called Achieving Fitness. And the lead author, Jane Panacucci, was very, very committed to designing and finding activities that supported intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic. So here are the four components of intrinsic motivation according to the National Association of Sport and Physical Education, or NASPE for short. The four components are challenge. Do the activities provide challenge? Do the activities provoke curiosity? That's number two. Number three, do the activities promote creativity? And fourth, do the activities allow for individual choice? So in summary, challenge, curiosity, creativity, and choice. What I'd like to ask you to do is think about, well, you can start either way, either from the activities that you love or the activities that you tend to avoid. Tell me where these ingredients of intrinsic motivation fall, because here's my experience. And when I let me tell you sort of why I'm asking this question, I find that when there's an activity that's not really clicking with participants, especially early on in a program, it's because it doesn't contain enough of these components of intrinsic motivation. So tell me about some activities that you think either work well or don't work. And where do you see these four different components of challenge, curiosity, creativity, and choice? I'm going to try to pick two kind of polar activities. Mm -hmm. So jump in, jump out. Only because I know it's my golden activity, I'd love to analyze it through these lens. I'm sure it's not going to hit all of them, even as I'm thinking of it. But let's, uh, let's look at it. Number one, remind me. Challenge. I believe there's challenge in jump in, jump out, especially in the latter rounds, which get a little bit more challenging. I agree. The next one is curiosity. Does the activity contain a degree of curiosity where folks are like, hmm, I wonder what might happen next? I would say yes, especially towards uh, when you're introducing that there's a second round. And then when you say there's a third round, you often get the like, ergs, where they realize like, oh, no, there's another round. 
But I also think that there's something in the framing. I just want to like highlight something. I don't mention the names of activities when I run them. And so I think that curiosity is built in when you don't over explain the thing that's coming. There's an episode that I did on being intentionally vague, which I think lines in with that curiosity piece. So I think that some activities may not offer curiosity unless the facilitator does a job of making it more vague. The next one is creativity. And here's sort of my byline that I, this is my words for that. Are there opportunities for participants to have a say in the design, execution, or solution of an activity? I'm probably going to say no in this one. I don't want to, I'm not going to stretch to find reasons if they're not there. But yeah, there's no real creativity. It's a, it's a follow what I say kind of scenario. So probably doesn't have those. Which is very different from a, I have the solution, you have to find it scenario, which we might get into later. And then the last component of intrinsic motivation, again, according to NASPI, is the activity allows for individual choice. And in this case, I believe the answer is yes, because you don't have to do it. And I would suggest that the individual choice could also extend past like do I have to do it or not? But what's the level of the aspect of performance? How big is the spotlight on any given person? So yeah, there might not be a, a clear way of like, how do I participate in this activity in a way that's different from everybody else in that activity? But at no point is one particular person performing in front of everybody else. Do you think that activities where everyone is doing something at the same time inherently allow for more choice? than other types of activities? I was working with a group uh, recently. It was a college freshman orientation program. And it was for a neurodiverse population. And so I knew that like certain activities would not work if I was asking anyone to speak out in front of a group or do something individualized. So sort of all of the activities had to be have some level of anonymity during the activity, which I think I do think is important for choice. It's much easier to be able to step away and not participate in something where there's a lot of action going on than when you're just put on the spot. Yes, I completely agree with you. So going back to my first question, did you want to do a different activity now? Like maybe one that is not one of your faves or one that doesn't usually go so well? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm intrigued by adding this lens to something else, but this is going to be not necessarily like an, a, a game, but an activity that an adventure professional might do, which is the zip. So I'm going to pick the zip line or zip wire, however people say it. So once again, we'll go through them. Challenge. Is it difficult enough? For sure. Okay. Not so much physical necessarily, but certainly emotional. Okay. Yep. Does it provoke curiosity? For the individual, I would say probably yes, unless they've done it before, but yeah. Does it promote creativity, meaning are there opportunities for participants to have a say in the design, execution, or solution of an activity? No. Okay. Does it allow for individual choice? I would say there's a yes and a no to that. The experience, there's a no. You, there's no choice of how high or how fast or any of that kind of stuff. I would say the choice is that you don't have to do it. You can go down. But this is something I would just throw out there when you're up there and a group on the ground has encouraged you to get up there as much as someone can say you have the option to go down it doesn't feel like an option because it has risk which is the social embarrassment of failing and so i'm not sure there's choice in the zip 
and it's a very public choice. Yeah. It's not yeah. private like it is in Jump In, Jump Out. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest in my experience facilitating activities, especially in a direct service context, although I guess in any context, if an activity isn't really going the way that I thought it would go, or there might seem to be something off, I kind of use intrinsic motivation as a little bit of a guide or a checklist. Like, oh, am I providing them enough challenge? Are there opportunities for them to show curiosity? Do they have an opportunity to impact the creative design and execution of the activity? And is the choice go beyond me talking about challenge by choice? Is there inherent choice? And for me, similar to your example of jump in, jump out, the activity that really just kind of inherently nails all of those four components is knee tag. There's, I never have to say, well, you can run at this speed or you can run at this speed. It's like, the, it's like these things kind of calibrate themselves. That makes sense when I say it to myself. I've never said that out loud. But I think when there's an activity that's designed just right, these components of intrinsic motivation kind of take care of themselves in a way where we don't have to be overly explicit in naming them. And in this first, the first component challenge, I think we could also substitute in the word fun engaging, novel, joyful, right? So what's the hook? Do do I want to participate in the activity? And then once you've got me participating, I'm going to be curious for what I could do next. I'm going to be curious about how I can impact this in a creative way, knowing that I still have my individual choice. And so now contrast that to external motivation. Where do we as facilitators... It's like, where do we sometimes think that we need to provide external motivation when perhaps we don't? Perhaps we could look more at the intrinsic motivation by design. We experienced this together and then I... In a, and then in the last program, I kind of changed it up. This notion of, uh, of an activity circuit, and I've referenced this in uh, on Instagram. But the point system is something that we sometimes use in the adventure circuit to try to encourage people to participate because essentially it's a self-facilitated sequence where we give people a pack and then we set up a circuit of activities and they go so activity by activity. And for the most part, we've always put the points in because the points from our perspective, encouraged people to participate at a higher level. It's clearly external, extrinsic, because we're saying there's points and there's competition to it and the teams at the end who gets the most points. In the faculty program that you and I did recently, we took the points out, or you took the points out. It flowed in a way that I didn't necessarily anticipate, which was a much more calm, relaxed pacing that still had engagement but didn't feel rushed by the need to accumulate points. And then when the college program I recently did, I added the points back in because I was I was personally nervous about motivation based on the conversation I'd had with the client, which summarized that the last time they'd done any team development programming, they had not had much motivation to continue and energy to continue through the day and kind of lagged off at the tail end. So I thought, well, I'm going to add the points so that they can be encouraged to participate. So I'm not sure if I really uh, created that in that program. I think it was more of a default sometimes. I feel like sometimes the points for me is a default because I'm nervous about them not participating. And and I'm not hearing a black and white for me when I think that's appropriate, right? I think I took the points out, especially with the audience that we had in mind. And what I saw with the removal of that point system is that the whole process slowed down 
and that folks did seem to be a little bit more curious and creative, especially since we added that twist, which I gave you no warning of, which is, hey, if you want to do a different activity, just come and find one of us and we'll facilitate it for you on the spot. I think that that turned out to be pretty fun. So I don't think that there are many activities that I can do with the group that are always going to cover all of these bases. I think when I think about these four components of intrinsic motivation, I think about how can I maximize the value of intrinsic motivation from an activity selection perspective, but also from a design perspective. And we've covered this topic before, but just to reiterate, one of the components of intrinsic motivation, so what makes people inherently want to show up for a group and for an adventure experience is is their challenge. And if we push the challenge too late in the program, we may be losing folks in motivation. And so what I think you did with adding points for that college program is that you increase the level of challenge, Right. Whereas those elementary school educators we work with didn't necessarily need that. So I think maybe these are all like dials on the knob of the tinker machine, sort of dial up the challenge, dial it down. Curiosity is something I think we should always be thinking about. How are we allowing folks to be more curious about what we're doing without being so vague that folks are not tuning into us anymore? So micro macro, I mean, not just from a, again, not just from which activity am I doing, but. If you look at the the journey of your program, whether it's a day or five days or what have you, where are you emphasizing or perhaps missing an opportunity to emphasize some of these components as well? And I think the last thing that I would have to say on this topic, I think when we look at individual choice from an activity design perspective, it can really support the core philosophy of challenge by choice in a way that can be much more impactful than using our own words to explain challenge by choice the folks really get to experience that through games. I just want to highlight that I'm going to say a failure that I made in the last program as it relates to this. And I, and I mentioned this only because this is not something that I've really massively looked at from a program. I've often thought of energy flow and uh, my own energy, their own energy, but I'm intrigued to continue to do this in my programming to look at it from these levels. But uh, there was one activity I did um, with that college group, yeah, there was a lot of anxiety in that group. So I wanted to be conscious of that. And so I was very upfront and says that I understand that there's anxiety coming into this space as a college orientation. Those can be challenging. I'm going to purposely not be do- putting you into a position where you would be put on the spot. Well, even as I said that, I didn't honor it in the second activity I did. So I did jump in, jump out. And then I went into, which is a bit of a default for me to do clap, jump, spin, run. There's not much choice in it. And especially it puts people in a position of being on the spot when they are tasked to do any of the jumping, the spinning, the clapping or the running, especially in those practice moments. And I kind of observed in the group as I was running it, that I was not hitting the mark because the energy was really low. They weren't motivated to participate. You could tell they just wanted to be done and people didn't like being put on the spot. So I'd gone from jump in, jump out, which I think was far more of an inclusive activity into another activity that normally creates a lot of laughter and is a bit of a winner for me in terms of jokes. But with this particular population, me knowing this population, me still relying on that activity, I think was a failure, at least on on my end for that short period. Not something that may have been massively noticed by the group, but certainly was noticed by myself. And there were individuals who I could tell were not motivated to participate in it. And I don't think it had, I think maybe the challenge was too ch- too difficult 
I don't think it was, I think it was novel, but not in a way that it was positive. It didn't offer any opportunity for creativity. And it certainly didn't allow for individual choice in the way that really I should have for that group. So I, I put that out into the space that I think this is a good thing to analyze when you look at programming and even post-programming, looking at your agenda, reflecting and evaluating how things went, maybe looking at it from this lens can be helpful. I'm reflecting as we're talking that this is helpful for me based on the experience I had a couple of days ago. I just want to contrast what you just said about clap, jump, spin, run with a different situation we were in where we had two hours for a workshop at Boost out in Palm Springs. We had a hundred people in the room and we played Wallmaster. At no point did we tell people you might end up performing this in front of everybody else with one other facilitator. And yet I think that activity was the absolute highlight of the session. So like, what are the conditions that made that different? These were strangers. I think that there was a constant feeding of the curiosity in the way that you set up the activity, you identified yourself as a wall master. So I think that sometimes we can allow for one of these components of intrinsic motivation to be a little bit diminished if we can beef up the other components of intrinsic motivation. I also would probably think we we didn't do it first. I can't imagine doing that activity first. So I think that we did it at a certain point in the session where maybe we had built trust in some way that we weren't going to be putting people in a super awkward position. I just think about that activity. When I first was taught that activity, Wildmaster, the way that you would end it with you and a, and, a, and a last person was in the version of either a vegetable off or a moo off. I'm saying this, people may be hearing this and knowing what I'm saying. Essentially, is an incredibly embarrassing experience for the person who's made it all the way to the end and almost a punishment. <laughs> so I have since changed the way that I do that activity and made it a much more simple process once to get down to me and one other person. Um, and you can see that in a video I posted on Instagram. Yeah, I think that there's there's trust formed and there's we're not intentionally going to place someone into a position of extreme vulnerability. So if we but if we just saying that isn't enough, I think us practicing that for a session can be helpful. And I think that can counteract the lack of having uh, some of these points for motivation if we ramp them up, but also create an energy and an atmosphere of safety. Yeah. So I'll just name to you one thing that I might try in my next level one training next month is maybe after a string of activities, almost give my participants like a checklist of these four components and ask them to rate, like how did they feel these different components were? And that might lead to an interesting conversation for emerging practitioners. Awesome. Thanks once again, Lisa, for this awesome topic. And I hope it was helpful to you. If you have any uh, either topics or questions you'd love to ask us about or you want us to talk about, go on to Instagram at Vertical Playpen and direct message me there. Or you can send an email to podcast at H-I-G-H, the number five, adventure.org. Thanks once again for listening, and I will see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to myself and Lisa, starring myself and Phil. <laughs> thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about, thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast. Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>